special guest today, Matthew Hall, the third founding partner of ARIA Financial. Matthew is known to anyone that knows him and anyone um, of our peers as our chief economist, despite having absolutely zero economic <laughs> qualifications. Um, I want to start this uh, podcast with a disclaimer that any information provided in this, in, in this interview is general in nature and opinion only and does not take into account your individual circumstances for your own personal financial situation. You'll need to seek your advice from your financial planner or qualified individual to provide financial advice. So tell me, Maddie, give us a little bit about your background. A little bit about my background. Thank you for that introduction, Tina. No worries. And I just would like to say that I do have some financial qualifications in terms of lending. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so a little bit about my background. I uh, began lending with Bankwest. So I was a lending manager there before moving out into a high-performing mortgage broking firm uh, and spent the last decade uh, with that organisation. Awesome. So is it fair to say that if there's a scenario that you've seen it before? Yes, that's correct. So I dealt with a number of different uh, clients there, everything from the first home buyer through to uh, the high level executive, whether that be in the finance industry, legal industry or other industry. Okay. So tell me where you get this name of Chief Resident Economist, despite <laughs> having the no economic qualifications. <laughs> um, yeah, look, my friends would probably say I've got quite a knack for uh, identifying patterns and, and putting things together. So. Uh, having bearing that in mind and then uh, picking uh, the most inaccurate of the sciences being economics I thought I would like to challenge myself so uh, took a very keen interest in it uh, when the GFC happened in 2008 so from that point forward um, I'm always looking for patterns and putting the pieces together you could say okay so tell me where you get your data from uh, yeah, look, so there's a number of different sources. So obviously the mainstream uh, sources that you would find, so Bloomberg, which is great for things like charting. Obviously you can see what the analysts are doing and recommending, whether that's buy, hold, sell. Uh, and then uh, I do like the contrarian data as well. So there's a few different uh, finance blogs and information and a few alternative charting sites as well, which I, which I like to have a look at as well. Okay, so let's jump into it. Tell us what is happening with inflation. Yeah, so recently obviously we would have seen <clears throat> the CPI data which has just come out. So that has dropped and probably by a larger amount than was expected. Uh, so it looks as though obviously what the RBA has done and things that are happening at the moment are working in terms of getting that inflation down. Uh, look. Yeah, obviously rate rises are a fairly blunt tool from the RBA uh, and it can be difficult there when all you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, I suppose you could say. And so when the RBA starts swinging that hammer, um, obviously that's going to have a lot of second and third order effects. But it looks as though at the moment they've got the lid on it to an extent. Obviously it still needs to reduce, um, but for the time being it's obviously stopped, well slowing and reducing Okay, so on the back of that, what's um, happening with interest rates? Very good question. So obviously there's a lot happening um, globally and particularly with the US and European banks. Um, so look, obviously some of the economists, well a lot of the economists now are saying that we've potentially reached the peak uh, of the rate rises. Uh, we may get one more, maybe. Uh, but a lot of the economists now are saying we've reached the peak. 
uh, and we're potentially not going to see any more. Uh, and I've got a few little uh, theories as to where rates go next, but I think um, for the for the majority, we've we've either reached the peak. We may have one more potentially. Okay. And so, what's happening in the US? Yeah, so basically what's happened there, the US banks have purchased, um, long story short, uh, they've effectively purchased assets called bonds, which I'm sure many of you uh, have heard that terminology. And so effectively with your bonds, uh, what happens with that particular type of asset is as interest rates rise, the value of the bond becomes less. And so because the banks have obviously loaded up on these particular assets, as the rates have risen from the Fed, those asset values have dropped uh, and in turn creates an issue for the banks over there. Um, in particular, if clients are looking to take their money out of that bank. Uh, so that now they're sitting on potential quite large losses and in the event that clients want their money back uh, and the banks need to liquidate those bonds, uh, that creates quite a large hole uh, for the bank and as we're seeing with some of those banks over there now, they actually do not have the money to give their depositors their funds back. So um, that's probably the biggest issue at the moment in terms of what we're seeing over there. Okay, and would you say that the same problems are happening here or have we got a slightly different way of the banks funding their books? <coughs> um, look, you are gonna have, uh, look, the banks over here would be holding bonds as well. It's probably a little bit different. Um, so obviously over here we've got we don't have a lot of banks, so on a per head capita basis, the US has significantly more banks than we do here in Australia. And so there's a level of oversight and strength that that comes with only having a small number of banks. And um, regulation, right? Yeah, and regulation. So given uh, the important nature of a number, of, well, sort of a very small portion of our banks, um, that regulation, uh, appears to be higher than, than what happens in the US. Um, you know, the US lending institutions uh, number into the thousands, so four to 5,000, whether that's banks, credit unions, etc. whereas over here, uh, that's quite low, around sort of 100 different lending institutions, so it's significantly less than the US. Okay, and so how does all that impact in the US sort of tie into Australia? Yeah, so look, uh, where the US goes, we will go. So in the event that the Federal Reserve needs to um, start cutting rates materially to help banks, and that would be tied in with those bonds. So basically, as those bonds have dropped in value, if there's a situation where the Federal Reserve determines that, hey, we need to cut rates to start elevating, uh, or reinflating the value of those bonds to help the banks in some of these positions, then the RBA really won't have too much of a choice. So the Fed starts cutting, uh, the RBA will have to start cutting, and some of that is tied in with foreign exchange rates and all sorts of things. So where the US goes, uh, we will follow. Okay. So tell us your predictions. Do you think we're on the brink of another GFC? Are we heading for a recession? And there are probably two different questions in there. Um, yeah, look, I think that, uh, look, I think everyone learned a lot from the GFC. So, um, you know, particularly in the US, they let some of those big banks fail and then subsequently realised that was not a good idea because it exposed a whole bunch of other risk. 
um, and counterparty risk. And so I think what we will see is we may not see another GFC. I think potentially a number of other banks are probably going to find themselves in trouble. Um, but I do think that the Fed and other central banks will move quickly um, to reliquify those banks. So we are going to see some other some other banks in trouble, I think. But I think the the regulators and the central banks are going to move quickly to effectively provide liquidity for those banks to ensure that we don't end up in another GFC. Um, what I do think is that in order to do that, um, that is going to come with potentially uh, materially large interest rate cuts. Um, so I actually do think that we may see a similar situation to the GFC in that we may not have another GFC. However, the remedy will probably be similar where we saw effectively um, it was about 450 basis points of interest rate cuts over an eight-month period. Mm. Um, mm. And potentially, uh, we may see a replication of that. Wow, big call. Um, <laughs> now, do you have any predictions for the property market? There's a couple of commentators that have come out saying that um, the property market's already on the rise, that we've, we've seen the, the fall. Um, any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, look, I think that... Uh, the property market, look, gut feel tells me that um, we'll probably see some stabilisation, provided we don't get any sort of um, left field situations where we see sort of a material uptick in rate rises, which is looking like we're not going to have now. I think over the next sort of three months, we're probably going to see some stabilisation um, with the property market. So often... Anyone who doesn't need to sell uh, is not selling in the current conditions, and I think that um, effectively that's taken away a number of properties from from sale. So I think that we'll see some st stabilisation of the market, and then subject to those rate falls uh, coming into play, then obviously every time the rates fall, it will increase someone's uh, ability to borrow. So. It increases their borrowing capacity. So if we start to see in particular really large rate falls, people's borrowing capacities are gonna to start to increase materially, mm -hmm. um, which is subsequently gonna put a floor under those prices if it's not there already. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, that's all we've got time for today, guys. But thank you so much, Matthew. Um, I oh, certainly got a lot out of that. I hope you guys did too. Feel free to send us any comments or questions. And um, yeah.